David Charbonnet, welcome to the Three of Seven podcast, brother. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Everybody, this is David Charbonnet, also known as Charbo Charge. Um, David and I went through SEAL training together, and we were very close. Um, actually, I looked up to David when we were going through BUDS. He was a little older than me. He had <laughs> a lot more life experience, and... Um, he was just always, he always had a smile on his face no matter how hard stuff got. And he was always in the game. Um, he, 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 he would always pick up the slack. And he was just a guy that, that I looked up to. And we had, a, we had a little group of four of us, right, David? The four horsemen. That's right. Uh, and so I'm just so thankful that you took the time today to, to come on and chat, but David and I have stayed in touch uh, ever since, you know, buds and and all that, and he's been a great friend. So, so yeah, man, I want to talk a little bit about um a little bit about buds. I you have you have such a better memory of our time in buds <laughs> together. Like for some reason my mind just blocked out all that stuff. And that's one of our, one of my favorite things about getting together with you, you know, like when we went out to eat with the family in uh, in Virginia beach a couple yeah. months ago, just listening to your stories, man. And, uh, and your memories. And like I said, it was just, my memory of you was, it was just, you were just always positive, dude. You were always strong. I don't ever remember you, having a bad day and i'm sure you had bad days but like you never showed it you you just always had that smile on your face and i mean how did you main how did you maintain that attitude throughout all that adversity and 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 all the stuff that that we went through together in training where did that come from man well first of all i think you said it right you do have a bad memory because uh I certainly had bad days, and I didn't have a smile on my face all the time. <laughs> but I was appreciative that I got to be there. Um, I reminded myself all the time that we were the only people in the entire world that were getting to do that at that moment. And uh, that that made me feel pretty special. I wasn't ever any, any good at anything in my entire life. And uh, to know that I was like at the pinnacle of something was um, I valued it, and I uh, was just appreciative to get to be there, uh, let alone both of you and I and many other people that go through it have, you know, greater stories behind it, and that both you and I, very specifically, though, um, tried to go and were told we couldn't for medical reasons or physical reasons. My uh, color vision was my thing, and... Um, had to fight for it and to be perfectly honest the first time i joined it pretty much joined the navy because i didn't have really any other thing to do and uh but after they told me i couldn't do it i had a passion to do it and i guess that's just the kind of people we are and um so i was really thankful that i got to be there you know we were around a lot of tough guys that were like did have to kill me you know i'm never gonna quit I'm, I'm i'm definitely gonna make it and i used to say all the time i don't know if i'm gonna make it but 
you know, because the first time I came, I was sure I would, and I didn't, and because it wasn't up to me, and, um, you know, I get to see, like, God's hand in that a lot, uh, you know, I got to be around my brother uh, when he was in college, I got to live in the same city with him, and so I got a lot of, that was probably some of the most uh, close bonding I've ever gotten with my little brother, and uh, a lot of my friends, too, while they were in college, and then when they all left to go do jobs and stuff and they couldn't hang out with me anymore, that's when I rejoined. So it all worked <laughs> out good. And, um, you know, I think you can relate. I was just so thankful to have the opportunity to be there. Dude, you're, you're exactly right, David. And, and I think that's something that's, it's, it's crazy that you and I, we experienced a very similar uh, it very very similar adversity, obviously different medical conditions, but uh, almost the exact same circumstance where we tried to go be a seal and then basically it was taken away from us. Right. And 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 I think based off of what you just said, that is uh, when it was taken away from us, that made us want it even that much more. And. I just that that's that that's that furnace of adversity like it just it it almost purifies your intentions when you have it taken from you you realize how much you want it um but that's a that's interesting that that we both went through that same thing and and then going back to what you said so do you believe that everything is by design you talk about god's hand and and how it kind of worked out i mean do you kind of do you see the design and in these things as as you went through life is that has that been a common theme is that something you believe in or yeah it is something i believe in um i don't always see the design and uh you know that's the challenge of life is um having faith that there is a design and uh, certainly had seasons of great doubt and 2006 when they said I couldn't do it uh, was the most at the time was the greatest struggle I'd ever experienced and um, felt really lost felt really frustrated um, and uh, I didn't feel like there was a design I felt like that was the correct path for me and it was and it was screwed up <laughs> yeah I felt like Whoever was controlling fate was was mistaken, um, you know. So, and I've had other seasons like that that you know we'll talk more about. I'm sure later in this podcast, but uh, yeah, certainly don't always see the design, but it's something that I believe or try to believe all the time, um, and try to especially believe in those seasons where I I'm doubting it, and that's the challenge, you know. It is, man. It is. And that that's something that I try to do, too, David. It's like um, look at something like like the like the things that we had, the adversity that we had to overcome uh, to get just on the start line at Bud's. You know, a lot of people would look that look at that as an obstacle. And, and I think that me back then when I was young and, and I didn't have the perspective that I have now, I saw that thing as an obstacle, that heart condition, but really all it was, it was just a test and it eventually led me to the place that I needed to be. Right. Um, and, and so now instead of calling those things obstacles, I, 
I try to to just look at it as a test. And essentially, there are no bad days. There are just these tests in life that will eventually lead me to the place that I, you know, that I want to be. So um, I, I think it's cool that you see the design and all that stuff because I, I subscribe. So what was the the hardest part or the the most difficult part about buds for you in particular, David? Waking up. <laughs> Waking up in the morning was the worst thing. And still to this day is the worst thing. <laughs> Waking up early in the morning is just wrong. And uh, I tell everybody that when that alarm went off, I was like, yeah. I would quit right now if they'd let me sleep in, but you would still have to wake up and go quit and do paperwork. So you might as well get up and do it, you know? And so that cold water wakes you up pretty quick, but yeah, waking up is the worst part. And, uh, that for me anyways, I thought so. Heck yeah, man. If you can get through the morning, you can get through the day, right? Exactly. Yep. Just a days after that. That's it, man. That's it. Well, uh, what would be, and I would only ask you this, I wouldn't ask anyone else this, but what would be one of your most precious memories from Buds? Uh, I can't remember specifically, you know, what it was, but after like a div and several times, I think this happened, after difficult evolution or difficult, uh, usually the conditioning run or something where it was like just put out, uh, you'd usually end and hit the surf in, a, in the middle of a hot day, you know, and hit the surf on the Pacific Ocean on Coronado Beach. It's beautiful anyways. And that was when I really felt like I remember just spreading my arms wide as I fell into that water and just being like, man. I could be sitting at a desk or at college or something, but this like this is awesome. And just being done with that put out evolution, whatever it was, that feeling of just being done and getting to cool off, you're just like, oh, this is just awesome. And uh, yeah, that was those. It's hard to explain. I guess that probably one of my most precious moments. Um, well, I get it, man. And that's and that's why that's that attitude that I was talking about that that you always had that attitude of gratitude, as corny as that sounds. But that's what that's what I'm talking about. And that's that's how you earned your name. Charbo charge, man. <laughs> you were always there getting after it, brother. Um, but I want to talk uh, shifting from buds uh, in into your into your Navy career and then kind of the, the injury that you sustained. Could you just kind of lead us through that? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, didn't have much of a Navy career. Uh, I got assigned to a team and um, about a year in, uh, getting ready to just do a, you know, like a basic deployment, a non-combat deployment. Getting ready to go on, I went parachuting with some buddies out in San Diego and uh, had a hard landing. My canopy, I stalled my canopy at about 100 feet, came down and uh, broke my vertebrae and uh, had a spinal cord injury 
fortunately didn't kill myself and actually didn't have another bruise or scrape on my body except for rupturing that one vertebrae but uh crushed my spinal cord and um yeah i'll never forget that either i mean i was fortunate enough to be awake not knocked unconscious or anything my helmet went flying and uh i just remember tumbling and being certain after i hit the ground that i must have broken a leg or something just from the sheer impact and when i looked at my legs i could tell that they were like they were lifeless and uh so i touched my knee with my hand i tried to move my foot and i couldn't and uh i just remember looking up at the blue sky being like i don't know if i said it out loud i said all right god let's do this you know and uh wow in that moment, I was very, like, I felt this, like, great peace and in, um, in the plan. And uh, I think God was protecting me from freaking out. Because I, I told people all the time that that was my worst nightmare, was that I'd be paralyzed somehow. I was like, all right, I hope it just kills me, whatever it is. If I know, I don't want to be paralyzed. And so it's weird that that happened. And, um, you know. So, I, you know, I just laid there and uh, I wasn't in any pain for the first couple of minutes until uh, the swelling and whatnot around my broken bones in my back really started uh, making it hard to breathe. Um, and uh, I couldn't get a, my lungs filled because the swelling was pushing on the bones in my back. And uh, <laughs> by the time there was a lot of people there waiting for like a light, uh, helicopter to take me to the hospital and um I was just thinking to myself as I thought I was going to suffocate. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to suffocate on dry land as a Navy SEAL. I was like, <laughs> so that's how I calmed myself down. I was like, all right, calm down, take slow breaths, just get your oxygen. And so made it, got to the hospital and uh, yeah, had surgery. And uh, fortunately, my spinal cord wasn't severed, but uh, it was crushed pretty badly. And so I knew my uh, my career in the Navy was over, and the life that I had thought that I that I had plans and dreams for was was gone, and that it would be different, and that I didn't know what it was going to be. So it was a very is very strange. Is that as if your life is a road, and you're in the middle of the road, and you see the road ahead of you, all of a sudden there's a fork in it that you didn't know that was there and you get turned off onto the road that you didn't know was there at all. And it, it was almost like, like dying. I mean, I felt like the future me and the dreams and the things I imagined that I would do and be all died in that instant. It was just gone and it was never going to come back. And, um, it was just scary. You know, the unknown of anything is what's really scary. And I think that's what uh, um, was the most difficult thing, I guess. And But like I said, during those first couple of days, I, um, God protected me with uh, a lot of peace and that attitude that I could uh, handle it and, um, and roll with the punches, I guess. And and I'm sure as the week went on, the drugs helped calm me down too in the hospital. But uh, yeah, once you left, once I left the hospital, though, it set in mm-hmm. that uh, 
that really that unknown it's like oh geez what's life going to be like now and that's when i really kind of started tumbling downhill and so you know that and so that's kind of where that's the part of the story that that i did i never have really heard because when like shortly after the injury happened i flew out and saw you while you were still in the hospital and spent a few days there and i remember your composure man like you were just totally composed. You 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 were calm. Um, you you really. You, you, I I know that you were probably upset on some level, but you you there again. You really didn't show it. Uh, you you had a smile on your face most of the, most of what I can remember seeing you. Um, you know, but so as far as you say, you were you started that tumbling downhill as it set in. Uh, that it was that 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 your life had changed, but obviously at some point you you shifted that energy and started going back uphill because right now you're living an awesome life, dude. I mean you've got two children, you've got an awesome wife, you're you've got I, I mean you have so many blessings and 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 so much knowledge that you are willing and able to pass along to other people. So what was that shift? Do you remember from from that tumbling downhill to where you you made that shift to where you were climbing back up? Do you is it was that a distinct moment or tell me about that? Uh, yeah, I would say it was. Um, so I feel like I uh, felt a duty to be calm and um, like maintain my my uh, I guess composure and be brave and be ready to like handle the challenge that was in front of me. And, you know, I felt like I had handled so many challenges and adversity, which now seems like such child's play compared to, you know, what life can throw at you. And, uh, and not just me, just, uh, as I've become an adult friends and family, seeing what people go through on a daily basis, buds really doesn't seem very hard in the grand scheme of life. Um, but yeah, I started tumbling down real life set in frustration that, uh, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Um, just, it was like a lot of the same feelings of 2006 when I couldn't go because of my color vision. Um, just feeling like the creator messed up the plan and that he was wrong. Uh, and I started doubting, you know, that uh, that there was somebody having a plan. The other thing that aspect that was really uh, affecting me was as having a tremendous amount of pain. Um, I don't know if you remember, but one of our buddies used to put a like a pressure points on me and uh, to show like how much I could withstand. And I've always had a high pain threshold. And I was feeling pain in my legs, which I couldn't feel. I was feeling a tremendous amount of pain. There were like phantom signals from my nervous system where I felt like I was being electrocuted or stabbed. And uh, it was just relentless day in and day out. And then I, I just remember laying in bed crying out, God, please help me. Please help me. I can't take this. Like, uh, I just remember being in such like torment and my poor parents having to hear me scream at night from, you know, another room, 
when I was living at their house. And um, I remember eventually getting to that breaking point, staring at the ceiling, being like, God, if you don't help me, just like, just tell me you're not going to help me in a way that I can hear you. So I know you're at least watching. And when I didn't hear anything, I was like, all right, you're not there. I'm done. And I really, I just like gave up and reading the Bible. I, uh, they were just words on a paper. I couldn't like comprehend any of it. Uh, my wife now I broke, I pushed everyone out of my life. I broke up with her when, we were just dating at the time. I pushed her away, just holed up in my room pretty much. And I finally just like was losing my mind one night. And I called Janet, which I hadn't talked to her in a long time. And was like, told her, I was like, I don't know what to do. And uh, she, you know, she's a very strong believer. And um, she was reading James at the time. And and she just drove over. It was it was like two in the morning. She just drove over and told me, called me and said, "Come outside." And I came out, sat in her car, and she was like, "You need to read the Bible." He's like, "Just because you got think God doesn't care about you and God doesn't have a plan doesn't mean He actually does." And I just remember, for whatever reason, her saying that, saying I just need to read James. And uh, I was like, "Okay." And so I went inside, and I was like, "All right, God, I don't know if you're real or not, but..." How, what we're going to start off with is I'm just going to pretend that you are for now and hopefully that we can work our way up to real actual belief. And so that was about a year after my injury when I hit, I would say I hit rock bottom mm-hmm. I mean, I got to the point where I really wanted to die. And uh, I, mean, I like never understood why people kill themselves, but man, I really wanted to die And, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have had the nerve to kill myself, but, oh, man, it definitely crossed my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And that really scared me. And um, so I would say I hit rock bottom then, and I started kind of climbing my way out of that and would have a lot of struggles dealing with that. But I would say two years after injury, I was back feeling pretty positive and um actually got married to janet on my two-year anniversary of my accident so wow um kind of, she said when we decided to do it then she said we're gonna make it a new day and it really is now like the october 15th is the day that i really like hold highly in my my mind and and i have even forgotten on several occasions it was it was October and my anniversary was coming up, which I knew was coming up. And somebody asked me when I broke my back and I was like, um, and I couldn't remember the day. And then I was like, Oh yeah, it's uh October 15th. I was like, I should remember that. Cause, but I literally forgot that it, that's when it happened because my anniversary, my anniversary of my wedding took it over. So it's really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just really lucky that, Janet's in my life and that um she is the strong woman that she is and uh I tell her all the time she saved my life and you know kind of got me back to uh, spiritually where I needed to be 
So uh, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but no, man, no, that's that's so powerful, brother, and it's something that that a, a lot of people need to hear, uh, me included. And I I got a question on that. I know Janet, when when you guys met that night, she had told you you need to start reading the book of James. Was there something specific in in that book that she wanted you to hear, or do you remember why she was asking you to read read that portion of the Bible? Um, yeah, well, randomly, just, you know, I guess nothing's random, you know, but she was, uh, memorizing the book of James at the time and like just by memory. And so she had the verses in, she was like halfway through it at the time, I think. So she had the verses in her head for the beginning of it. And I forget what verses it is, but, um, I need to just look it up right now. Chapter 1, verse 2, my brother, encounter it all but joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Well, let this have perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so, you know, that's the second verse I read in this, you know, kind of um, uh, attempt back into my faith and relationship with Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's just if you it's hard to imagine all these coincidences falling in the line without somebody orchestrating it. And. Uh, yeah, so that that was a I don't think I'll ever forget that night and. Um, you know, kind of started me on a, the path that I needed to be on. That's awesome, brother. And, and I think for the listeners, uh, it's important for the listeners to know that that David, uh, when we were going through buds, you know, that's another thing that I'll never forget about you, man, is, is you, everyone knew that you were a Christian and they didn't know you were a Christian cause you went around thumping the Bible and, and, uh, you know, trying to preach to everybody. Um, you obviously didn't hide it. If someone asked you, you would, you would tell them, but, but you lived that you lived the life, man. Like you were, you were a light in a dark place um, you know, all throughout training. And, and we all, I always admired you for your faith because I didn't really have a strong faith back then. Um, that was something that I was missing in my life, but I always admired you for that, man. And so for David to say that, that he lost that faith, that, that's a, that's a strong statement because, you were you were really rooted in your faith in God when we went. I just for for you to to come back and and to to read that verse and to give God another try and then and then to build back up to where you are now. I mean, that's just an amazing story, brother. I've never I've never heard that story before, man. So I'm yeah. so happy you shared that with us, man. Well, thank you. Um, I definitely, you know, did want to, um, be a light, you know, like you said, before I I went to the Navy, uh, my uncle, who's just a great man of faith, uh, grabbed me and he's like, you know, you know why you're going, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, to be a SEAL. And, uh, he's like, no, you're going to minister to the people that you're with. And, um, and that stuck with me, you know, I was like, okay, 
there's a more important job than what we're doing, which was already an important job. And uh, uh, I did see the impact that you, you said I wasn't a Bible thumper. I did notice people that were Bible thumpers and it wasn't, it, they were being, you know, alienated and kind of looked down on. And I was like, okay, that tactic is not the way to go about it. And I just wanted to be, you know, a good, uh, I guess, example and uh, friend, you know, and and I wanted to show that I could be good at my job too. There, you know, I think I don't know if you experienced this, but I did get a sense that, and I heard people <laughs> directly say that, you know, like the if. Christian, you know, they don't know if they could trust a Christian as an operator and things like yeah. that. You know, uh, are they going to be able to do the things we need to do? Blah blah blah. And uh, I always felt like that was not not logical at all. Um, I mean, my dad was a SEAL, and and he told me he said that the Bible is a is a perfect uh, guide to how to be a good SEAL. So I think that he was right. I mean talks about the battle of good and evil and you know honor and integrity and all the things that we're supposed to have and uh i think uh you know just being a drunken slob knucklehead <laughs> is not the way to go about it so uh, amen to that brother that's the best i've that's the best i've ever heard it put david you're exactly right man yeah so um. I, you know, tried my best. And at that time, I really felt like I had gone through my trial of like not getting to go to Bud's and that, uh, that, um, you know, my faith had been tested and that we were like on the good track now. But it's easy to have a real good relationship when things are going smoothly. And uh, the real test is when you get put to the fire. And, you know, it's, it's kind of bums me out that both times that I like, my God changed the plan on me that I really, my faith kind of collapsed on me, you know, and I'm like, Oh man, I hope I don't need another lesson in that. Cause those first two lessons were pretty painful. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully I'll respond better, you know, as challenges come and that I won't have those moments of doubt. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, I think everybody has those feelings of doubt and I try to be there for people that do. And I have the, um, I have the privilege of being in the line of work that I'm around people that are going through something, usually the worst thing that's ever happened to them and that I can be there for them, you know, one-on-one and get to relay kind of how I dealt with it. And, uh, you know, so I am seeing pieces of what, um, I guess, well, I forget what the word you used for, but the, the, um, the kind of the plan, the, the purpose behind it all, um, yes. purpose behind everything yet. And I don't know if I ever will, but you know, that's not necessarily for me to know all the time, but, um, I do see blessings from it. I wouldn't have my two kids. I don't think I'd be the husband that I am. Um, if I hadn't broken my back and, um, you know, but there's a lot of things I wish I could do, but would I trade it off for the life that I have? There's no way, you know, so I'm just so thankful for the, for where God has put me. And, um, 
just a constant work in progress in my attitude and my relationship. So I love hearing you say that, David. That's a that's some powerful stuff, brother. And I want to I think that's a perfect transition into into the clinic and the, the neuro rehab thing that, you know, you've had going on for the last couple of years. Can you kind of tell us how you got into that and 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 what it is and uh, I guess how people can support you and what you're doing? Sure. So when I broke my back, um, the physical therapist for the SEAL team knew that I was going to need more specialized care than what the Navy provided. And uh, she went out and found a neuro rehab clinic, which I never heard of. And nobody's ever heard of until they have a spinal cord injury or some sort of neurological problem. But it's a very specific type of rehab. So she found it. She said, that's where you need to go. And I went. And uh, these people, the staff, the trainers, and the PTs were there for me during this time where I was really at my lowest low. And um, it was an important place for me, not, not just physically rehabbing and getting back function and feeling, but, you know, emotionally, too. And uh, a couple years into it, just uh, working out, I got out of the Navy, got married, um, and I was didn't really have any idea what I was going to do next. Um, but, you know, I was taking my retirement from the Navy as well as making money, uh, investing in real estate with my dad. So I didn't really have like a day job, I guess. And the guy running the clinic couldn't do it anymore. It was going under and asked me to uh, take over because I, I think he asked me because he knew I didn't need a salary. <laughs> so uh, that was my qualifying uh attribute so anyways i told him i was like brad i don't know how to run a clinic and i don't know how to run a nonprofit. and he's like oh, you'll figure it out or it'll go out of business which it was anyway so uh jan and i prayed about it and we decided to give it a shot and we've um, got it going in the right direction um thanks to me leaning on people that know more than me and learning from them and uh i tell people all the time SEALs are just students. They can learn things on the fly quickly and become good at it. And uh, I pride myself in being able to do that and learn to do things that are not necessarily in my wheelhouse, um, like public speaking, which I never would want to do, but I do all the time, I feel like. And, uh, yeah, so we've gotten that going. Um, we've got a great team, that, uh, and it's just really – an awesome place where we get to impact people that are motivated to get better, whether it be spinal cord injury or stroke or traumatic brain injury. Um, we got like kids with cerebral palsy and all sorts of different neurological conditions. And we're able to uh, provide a way for them to maintain the best quality of life um, just by uh, keeping them healthy, by working out. I try to explain to people neuro rehab. I mean, Able-bodied people need to exercise to maintain their best quality of life. People with neurological conditions need to do that also, but in a very specific way. And that's kind of the layman's way to describe neuro rehab. And uh, we are a nonprofit, so we keep the costs low. Insurance doesn't really cover um, the type of care that people need that have lifelong conditions like spinal cord injury or stroke sometimes sometimes. 
and they need to exercise, you know, until they are able to get all the way better or, you know, just to maintain their quality of life. So uh, we fundraise throughout the year to try to raise money for scholarships and to keep the operating cost of the clinic down. So that's kind of uh, what I work on, you know, on a daily basis. And Janet uh, behind me and supports me and uh, runs the administrative side. And um, we got a great team doing the physical therapy and uh, physical trainers. So um, it's a pretty special place. That's awesome, brother. And is there a place that people can go to 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 support you guys? I know you said you you fundraise. I mean, you guys take donations, or what do you guys need, or or what can you put out that people that want to help can help? Definitely, uh, the best way is just to go to vipneurorehab.org um, and donate online. Um, the funding goes right to uh, helping the clinic run as cheap as possible for the people there and providing care for the people that can't afford it um, doesn't go into the pockets of the board or any of that like some nonprofits do. Um, so we're really proud that we put the nonprofit into nonprofit. So um, we don't make any money. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we uh, we try to get the most out of every penny and uh, I think we we do a really good job of really helping people with everything that we get. And um, we appreciate all the help we can get for sure. That's perfect, man. I'll make sure to link that when, uh, when in the show notes, when we do this, when we release this episode and, you know, I think that's so awesome what you're doing, man, what you said just a minute ago about, you know, how people without these, these neurological injuries, just your average healthy everyday person with with no issues they need to exercise their body every day to to live the fullest life um and and it's the same with with the people that you're working at and that's that is so much in alignment with the the three of seven project that you know three your being your body soul and spirit that's one thing we talk about how you know, they're also intertwined. So you've got to, you've got to exercise your body. You've got to, you've got to have a strong body to, to feel good. And, and it's intertwined with your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. All those things are so intertwined. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what kind of exercise do, do you guys, uh, I guess, teach or or recommend is it stuff that people do in their home or is it done in the clinic or how does that work well a little bit of both mostly uh we have a lot of specialized equipment that helps in assisting um getting the type of care these people need Um, we do teach them a lot of things that they can do at home but um just for instance uh we have a machine called a locomat uh and it is a robotic robotic legs that you attach to a patient's legs and then suspend them over a treadmill. So somebody that doesn't have the ability to walk can walk on a treadmill for however long they want to with the assistance of these robotic legs. Wow. Uh, People, um, and even in the medical field, I was speaking at a 
conference with a bunch of physical therapists there talking about our clinic and they were like well that's pointless because you know somebody like you who has a spinal cord injury you're not ever going to walk again uh you're not going to be able to recoup your uh your function enough to walk again so that's a waste of time to use that machine i was like well uh what you don't realize is you can gain just a little bit back uh, like I had. And I, for instance, when I started being able to hold a glass of water in between my knees by squeezing it while I'm in my wheelchair, it was a huge, de- uh, it was a huge deal. Like then it was so convenient. Then I could actually move while holding a drink and not spilling all over myself. Mm-hmm. But, and then even later on being, having an infant baby three years ago when my daughter was born, and being able to carry her on my lap and not need someone's help to care for my daughter was way more important than walking to me. If uh, somebody gave me the option to be able to hold my kids or walk, it would be such an easy decision. I would want to be able to hold my kids. And so just that tiny amount of strength that I needed to be able to do those things um, was huge. And, uh, and then let alone the emotional aspect of being able to walk again when you can't. And also just the the physical part of being up upright and moving. The human body is meant as a biped to be upright and in motion. I mean, it's all connected. Your circular your circula, circulatory system functions when it's upright and moving. So you're getting that blood flow to the parts of the body that need it which in turn strengthens your skin and all the other uh, sometimes life-threatening things that can happen to people with neurological conditions that doesn't happen if you're doing these exercises. Um, So it's really important. And uh, people just don't realize how important it is. People think, I thought when you got paralyzed, you just, you just could sit around and that was it, you know, like, but yeah. the great deal amount of pain that's involved that uh, I was like, well, shoot, I thought I was just going to be numb. That would have been way better. But uh, there's a great deal amount of pain that comes with, you know, letting yourself go. Um, so you got to maintain. It's really important. It's probably even more important than when you're able bodied and staying in shape, honestly. Um, and so, yes, it's a, it's a misconception of, you know, how important it is and, um there really can be uh, life-altering and life-saving um, when it comes down to it in some cases. The the next thing that I wanted to talk about was um, beyond the teams, um, the mission that your dad has going right now. I know I checked the website out a little bit earlier. There it is, man. He's got the shirt on. That's pretty sweet, brother. <laughs> so it I want to... I want to hear about that mission and I uh, also want to hear, you know, how we can connect and, and what people can do to uh, to help out with that mission, too. Yeah. So it all started. Um, my dad uh, just wanted to help out the clinic. And last year he he was like, uh, I'm going to ride my bike from the Pacific Ocean to the, to the Atlantic. I was like what why and he was like to raise money for the clinic i was like well you're for sure gonna die if you do that so um i bragged to people all the time i talked him down 
about a couple thousand miles only do from San Francisco to San Diego on his bike. And, uh, so I was like, well, dad, you're going to have to, you know, get on social media and all that stuff. And he did. And he rode his bike. He trained his rear off. I mean, he was in his younger years, a elite triathlete and, uh, a seal himself. And, um, so a couple thousand knee surgeries and knee replacements later, He's riding his bike down and made it, and he raised about $30,000 that last year for the clinic, just uh, doing that on his own. Uh, then so happened right after that, he had his 40-year anniversary with his uh, Bud's class, um, class 98. And, you know, of course, they're like, what have you been up to? And he's like, well, I just rode my bike down the coast uh, for my son's clinic, and um, a handful of them were like, well, we want to do the next one you do next year. So this, that's how uh, Beyond the Teams is born. So there's five riders from Class 98, um, and uh, they are going to ride their bikes from Virginia Beach to Fort Pierce, Florida, ending at the UDT Seal Museum there and at the Seal Muster, the annual Seal Muster. And um, they're trying to raise funding for the clinic. That's uh, They're going to raise funding each year for – um, different causes that they uh, deem worthy and this year it happens to be our clinic um, and uh, it's just it's really cool you know my dad didn't when he got out of the navy you know he put it behind him he's not one of those people that lived in the past and it was his identity or any of that um, if you'd, you'd go many days without thinking or talking about being a seal and uh, the these five guys, four of them he hadn't seen since the day he graduated in 1978. So for them to just jump on board and answer the call is pretty humbling. And I'm really thankful for them. You know, they, they're all training their rears off. Most of them didn't even have bicycles when they decided to do this ride. Now they're going to do a thousand miles. I mean, it's pretty cool, you know, and uh, I think the the other cool thing too is, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if they all knew this about each other, but uh, of the five riders, four of them are believers. So it's really cool to get to talk with them and um, these uh, brothers in Christ, much older brothers, but <laughs> brothers nonetheless. That's uh, right. And uh, it's been really it's been really special. And uh, um, I feel very honored that they will be willing to do this to help our clinic and help our patients and um, help our therapists do their job the best they can. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how it started and their organizations beyond the teams.org. You can go on there and donate and a hundred percent of the proceeds are, you know, going to good the good cause and um, you can join the mission there. You can get t-shirts too. Just like that. They look good, guys. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. We They're so appreciative. Any help they can get. Um, Are they on social media anywhere, David? Yeah, and you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook uh, as they train. Um, their ride will be starting October 28th. And they'll Coming be up. 10 days. Yep, finishing uh, November 9th in Fort Pierce. Um, so, yeah. And uh, it's pretty funny. I was on one of their logistics like conference calls, and they're getting rid. They're borrowing a bunch of RVs and stuff, and 
they're all old timers and all the even the support guys are old timers and they're like they're like well we need to figure out a power source for when we're sleeping because you know we got to power my CPAP machine <laughs> yeah like they have like six CPAP machines they have to power every night they're looking for generators to power them so if you're anywhere along the route down the east coast and have generators you're willing to let them borrow or hook up along the way please contact uh beyond the teams.org <laughs> i could only imagine a bunch of old frogmen oh, from guys i was like half the logistics calls how to power their CPAP machines <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of old frogmen from class 98 right yeah yeah man they're that that's gonna be a heck of a ride right there yeah. brother i wish i could be a fly on the wall along that trip there's gonna be some awesome conversations going on well they're they're having a documentary crew going with them too so it's going to be gonna be good viewing i'm sure humorous i'm sure oh yeah dude i love that brother i love that well Thank you for sharing that with us, David. And again, we'll link that beyondtheteams.org uh, in the show notes. So um, I think that pretty much wraps it up, brother. That's a uh, that's a, a lot of a, a ton of good and in, good great information. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, brother. It's uh, I don't know. It's been it's been on my heart for a long time to hear to hear that story. I've just we've never had the really the appropriate time or, or, or setting for it and, and what better place than this because now it can go out to you know thousands of other people and I know it's going to give them strength so um, never forget how powerful you are brother we're so thankful for you I'm so thankful for your friendship man um, I mean it's it's uh it's it's one of it's one of the most value valuable friendships that I have in my life, and I know we don't get to see each other as much as we would like, but um, but just knowing that you're always there, just a phone call away, is uh, that's a powerful thing, man. So, likewise, man, I appreciate you. All right, brother, this is Three of Seven Podcast. We're out. Whooped him again, didn't we, Joe? <laughs>